I am so blessed to have my mother in attendance with us this morning. She's usually in first service, but she even stayed for second service today. Um, my mother is one of the strongest, if not the strongest woman I know. She raised my sister and I practically by herself. Um, I have an older sister, but if you were to see us together, you might be under the impression I was an older brother because we have such different personalities. She's uh, the popular one, outgoing, life of the party. Everyone enjoys being around her. I was the total opposite. I was the weird kid, socially awkward, shy, whiny, ashy need. That was me. I was that one. So just huge differences in personality, and I don't know how she made it. I don't. I'm sure there were points in time during my childhood where she would wonder with concern, how is this boy going to turn out? <laughs> she might still be wondering to this day. <laughs> I just don't know. I just don't know. But how she did it, I don't know. And I love you, Mom. So we're going to... Um, jump into today's message. But actually, before I do that, Pastor Chris called me on Tuesday to check on me. And he said to make sure that I wished all the mothers here today the happiest of Mother's Day on behalf of he and Pastor Melissa. So if he asks you, you make sure you tell him that I told you, <laughs> happy Mother's Day, okay? All right. So I have a pretty short message for you today. No hand claps for that? I'm, I'm being serious. It's, it's actually pretty short. It's actually pretty short. I think during first service, we got out like 10 minutes early, as a matter of fact. So for the last several weeks, we've been engaged in a sermon series entitled Worship. I'm going to be piggybacking some of the information that Brother Brady gave last week, as well as Pastor Chris during the many weeks prior. Both provided deep insight as to what it means to connect with God through worship. Pastor Chris used Moses as the example of the ideal worship leader. We talked about how connecting with God brings freedom, truth, service, selflessness, sacrifice, and love. Pastor Chris also provided various demonstrations that point to the fact that we are created to worship. We all worship something or in some cases, someone. What is it for you? Do you worship money? How about sports or an athlete? Do you worship celebrities? Or maybe you worship yourself. And looking at your faces, I can tell you're thinking, I don't think I like where he's going with this. <laughs> well, as Pastor Chris often says, I'm trying to help you if you let me. Did you know that there is one sin spoken of more than any other sin in the Bible? Does anyone care to venture a guess as to what it is? Who said that? Who said idolatry? My man, idolatry. 
That is the sin spoken of the most in God's word. The worship of false gods, other gods, non-gods. The definition of an idol is an image or representation of a God used as an object of worship. We don't like the word idolatry though. That sounds way too serious. Especially when we're talking about things as innocent as sports or social media. Those can't be idols. They are only sources of entertainment. So instead, we use a softer term like distraction. Stay with me. I'm not going to re-preach Pastor Chris's message, but what I'd like to do is focus on one central component involved with worship, our hearts. I said all of that to lead us into the title of today's message, Heart Conditions. What is the current condition of our hearts and what is creating the condition of our hearts? Because what we pour into them is what comes out of them. We talk often to our rush students about the whole concept of garbage in, garbage out, to be mindful of what you're bringing in through your eyes and in your ears, because that's gonna get into, his, into this and then seep down into this, whether you realize it or not. So what are you pouring into your heart? Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What's in your heart? Is it filled with distractions? See, our hearts are extremely important to God. It's the essence of who we are. And God is addressing our hearts all over the Bible. In the Old Testament, the heart represents the center of emotions, thinking, and reasoning. The heart is crucial in the battle between wisdom and foolishness, between righteousness and evil. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Ephesians 3.17, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Romans 10.10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Do you see the transition? The actual fact that Jesus lives in our hearts. So what is in there sharing that space with him? Is it all about him? Or perhaps something else? In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, beginning with verse 21, Jesus is teaching his disciples about dealing with anger, an emotion I'm sure we can all relate to. Jesus says, you have heard 
that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Do not murder was one of the 10 commandments all Jews knew. But Jesus said, if you are even angry with your brother or sister, or use vicious language, words toward them, you are guilty of breaking the law. That takes God's standards to a whole nother level. It tells us God not only considers our actions, but also our thoughts and words. And it provides us a deeper understanding of the law. Jesus demonstrates that God is concerned with the motives of the heart. It's a heart condition. See, it's one thing to not commit the actual physical act of taking someone's life. But to think in your mind, I'm not gonna kill him, but man, I sure can't stand that dude. That's a heart condition. It's a heart condition. And our heart condition is directly connected to our worship. In the following verses, Jesus goes on to explain to his disciples the importance of reconciliation with your brothers and sisters. See, Jesus knows what bitterness and anger can do to our hearts. I'm sure most of us have been to a church where the pastor, the elder, or another church member has offended us. I don't like that he called me a sinner. Or I don't like the songs the worship team sang. Or I don't like the fact that my pastor went to Baylor. Something or someone offends us. And what do we do? We allow those thoughts and feelings to take residence in our heart and set up shop. We choose to not go back to that church or in some cases church at all. Or if and when we decide to go to another church, we carry those same thoughts and feelings with us. Instead of being in the moment with God, all we can focus on is that offense. Did you know Jesus even talked about the process of how to correct a fellow believer? But that's an entirely different message. But for all my Bible readers out there, which should be all of you, check out Matthew 18 verses 15 to 20. Amen? But for the sake of this message in particular, let's drop down to Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38. We have a Pharisee who happens to be an expert in the law who asked Jesus, teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Jesus wasted no time identifying the most important and greatest command by quoting Deuteronomy 6.5. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. God wants a relationship with us. He wants us to love him, to passionately and righteously pursue his glory. So what does loving God look like? It requires all of our heart, soul, and mind. In other words, our entire being. Yes? All right, are you with me? All right. So let's talk about how to improve our heart condition so that it, as well as our soul and mind, can connect with him. First bullet point, and believe it or not, I only have two. So like I said, we're going to get out of here early. All right. First bullet point, humility. It's easy to say, somewhat easy to recognize, but challenging, difficult to put into practice. Does anyone in here have a hard time putting humility into practice? See, you guys are far more honest than first service. No one raised their hand in first service. I was the only one. Well, I'll be the first to admit, the first to raise my hand, because I know for a fact that there are several areas in my life where I'm lacking humility. Let's jump in the time machine and go, go back about 20 years. And my twin can attest to this. Um, when, first, when Foundation first came to be, we were worshiping at the middle school. And we only had one service at that point in time. And I would purposefully, strategically, show up late right after the worship team finished singing because I didn't want to hear the songs that they sang. I would wait until I knew pastor was really close to being finished and then slide out. There wasn't any fellowship. I wasn't trying to connect. Isolation and a totally hardened heart. I was worshiping on my terms, how I wanted to be worshiped, how I wanted to be worshiped. I wasn't trying to connect with God. I wanted to get what I wanted and then leave. And pastor better bring it because if he didn't, I might not show up the next Sunday. That was my way of thinking. Am I the only one? This mindset, this heart condition that it's all about us. As if to say, God should be happy that we're in his house. As if he owes us. As if we should be entertained. Like the worship team should be here to entertain us. Pastor's message should be here to entertain us. A hardened heart, and I thank the Lord, the power of his Holy Spirit, that he continued to pursue me, that he's faithful to his word, because otherwise I wouldn't be standing here right now. He is faithful to uphold his word and to come through with every promise. Amen? Amen. Amen. Last Sunday, 
Brother Brady referenced Proverbs 6, verse 16. And I like the King James Version that reads, There are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to even list the rest. Just stop right there. A proud look. That was me. That was totally me. And in some cases still is me. To waltz into his presence casually. As if he's a casual God. Lacking the humility and knowing who he really is. As if, again, my heart is conditioned, my mind is conditioned that it's all about me. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest. Take an interest in others too. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew, chapter 20, verse 28, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. By definition, a servant serves others, not himself. Earlier, we read in Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38, where Jesus says we are to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And that's the first and greatest commandment. Remember that? Well, immediately after, in verse 39, Jesus goes on to say the second and equally important command is to love your neighbor as yourself. I'll say that again, to love your neighbor as yourself. Another demonstration of what it means to be humble. See, the loving ourselves part, that's pretty easy. That's practically effortless. Does anyone in here have a hard time loving themselves? Anyone? Couple in the back? Okay, all right. You got a hard time loving yourself. I don't believe you, but okay. All right. Anyone else? A hard time loving themselves. Amen. A hard time loving themselves. Well, how about loving someone else? The same way you love yourself. That takes heart. That takes Jesus. To treat someone who was in a challenging position the way you would want to be treated. With patience, tenderness, a kind heart. See, worship goes far beyond just singing. It's how we live. The Bible says, Jesus says, you will know my people by how they love each other. Amen? Amen. 
There's a win-win scenario behind Christian service being rendered. Proverbs 11.25. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Proverbs 18.2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Does anyone know anyone like that? Oh, certainly not me. See, God, he knows perfectly the varying factors that can affect our hearts. And he wants our hearts to be pointed at him. About two years ago, uh, Pastor Chris took us, uh, the the leaders, to a conference in Dallas uh, at Gateway Church. And on the second night, they were having afternoon, I'm sorry, evening service. And we had just finished eating and, of course, showed up late. And as we were making our way to our seats in this huge auditorium, there had to have been maybe 800 plus people there. The worship team was on stage singing. Everyone had began worshiping. We finally make it to our seats. And within maybe 15 seconds of all of us getting to our spots, you could just feel the Holy Spirit moving. It was tremendous. I began to feel the swell of emotions. Tears started falling down my eyes. I looked to my right, Brother Arthur is already crying. I looked to my left, Brady's already crying, but Brady cries anyway, so that's nothing new. I look in front of me, pastors beginning to cry. It was just the swell of adoration and how the supernatural takes place when everyone's mind is focused on worship. So it's, it goes far beyond just singing. Everyone's hands were raised. And this, I'm talking about at least 800 plus people all focused on worshiping God. Amen? Amen. The writers of Hebrews talks about the power of God's words. In Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inner thoughts, our innermost thoughts, and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. His word is so powerful that it exposes our heart, soul, and mind. When we focus on applying his word to our lives, his word will expose every hidden trap and scheme of the enemy as well. His intent to steal kill and destroy our daily time and relationship with God through distractions. Do we have a heart conditioned to give it all to him? Bullet point number two. See, we're getting there. Are we desperate for God? Can you see how the two connect? Humility to Desperation. Are we desperate for God? 
let's take a quick look at someone who is well known for having a heart that chased after God, David. David's prayer in Psalms 86, verses 1 through 11. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to the cry for mercy. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there are none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. With these words, David expresses his deep dependence upon God. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Wait, what? Isn't David... Rich and powerful beyond words? Isn't David king of Israel when Israel was at its height and glory? Yes. Yes. David was king. But he's referring to spiritual poverty, not financial poverty, poverty of the spirit. Did you know that that is the first beatitude in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 5.33. This is the first beatitude because it is the most basic beatitude. This is where our relationship with God begins. It begins with dependency, with humility with our deep sense or need for God. Amen? David is saying, Lord, I need you. I cannot make it without you. No one else can save me. If you don't show up, I'm sunk. If you don't rescue me, I have no hope. Can you Feel his desperation for God, his total dependence on God. Nothing or no one else can save him. Do you feel that way? Do you feel desperate for God? Have you come to the point where you're saying in your heart, Lord, it's all about you. If you don't show up right now, if you don't intervene, I will not make it. Have we reached that point? 
Or perhaps we're under the impression that someone or something else can save us. Or perhaps we think we can save ourselves, that we're good enough. Or maybe, maybe our heart condition is focused on ourselves in a different capacity. One that is saturated with guilt and shame. I can't worship the Lord with all my heart because of what I did last week or last month or last year or because of something that I just can't seem to stop doing. And we live in this perpetual state of unforgiveness and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. With that way of thinking, with that heart condition, we're still making worship about ourselves. Pastor Chris, I'm sorry, Pastor Melissa always says, breakthrough takes place in worship. We're bringing the supernatural down from heaven when we worship. When we take the focus off of our situation, whatever life may bring and focus on that, he who is greater than life itself, he who gives life, is transformative. Amen? Amen. Jesus says in Luke 5, verses 31 and 32, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, repentance is saying, I'm wrong and I need to change. I'm the problem and Jesus is the solution. What love does is it, it, it seeks the best for the beloved. Mothers, here on Mother's Day, even fathers, you want the absolute best for your children because you love them. Well, I tell you, the best for all of us is to become more and more like Jesus. See, God loves us so much that he takes us where we are. But he also loves us so much that he doesn't allow us to remain where we are. When we make that decision to give our hearts, our souls, our minds to God, he makes us more and more like his son. That's love. I'm going to ask our audio team to play some music lightly in the background as we begin to prepare our hearts for communion. But as we're doing that, take a moment to examine your heart and ask yourself, if your heart was cut open and exposed all your deeds, all your thoughts, are they focused on 
you is what you do for you or is it for Jesus? Are you desperate for God? Or have you placed something above him? Jesus says where our treasure is, there also our heart is. What do you treasure? Does your heart chase after God? Take a moment and think about that. Just hearing the statement, the question of preparing your heart for communion. And Pastor Chris asked that every Sunday to prepare our hearts for communion, not to step into this lightly, to examine our hearts, to make sure that we're ready to receive this sacrament. Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, telling his disciples, this is my body that is broken. He took a cup of wine. Thank God for it. And told his disciples, this is my blood that seals the covenant between God and his people forever, covering the sins for many. Let's pray. Father God, in the precious name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to bask in your presence. We thank you for your love, your kindness, for your mercy and your grace that is renewed every day, Lord. You are fantastic, miraculous, marvelous. There is none like you, there is none beside you, Lord. Father, I pray for a mindset and a heart set that does not take you casually, Lord. Help us to worship on your terms, Father. Teach us what it means to give our heart, our soul, and our minds to you and only you, Father. I pray for the removal of distractions, false idols, false gods, anything that could separate us from your love, your will, your word, and your ways, Lord. Help us to walk down the path that you've set before us, Lord, and to represent your name and give it all the glory, Father. We thank you so much for this day, Father, and pray your blessings over your word. All these things we ask in your son's holy, mighty, and precious name. Amen. Amen. Have a great Mother's Day Foundation. Love you.